I, I don't know what secret code I have to tell the hairdressers I go to, but I'm like, hey, can you just not cut off any of the top, please? I, I, I want to keep it long on top, but short on the sides. Cut off the top, I see. Got it. Yeah, sure. Well, that's hairdressers for you. Well, it's like... It's Willful. Like, well, it's like a, it's like going to going to going to a kebab shop, and you're like, yeah, can I get can I get a little bit of onion, please? Oh, you want all the onion? No, no, no just, just <laughs> all I heard no. was onion. Please, please, <laughs> I am not poor. Take all of my onions. <laughs> Take out the meat so there's more room for onions for this boy, so his breath is stank. Box of onions, got it. <laughs> I I hear you loud and clear. Uh, no, uh, that's a big ten four, buddy. <laughs> Uh, no, I just like mm-hmm, box of onions. I don't understand it myself personally. I like meat and chips, but whatever you kids are into, you do pay you. The bills. Be the best you you can be with a box of onion. <laughs> and the camera just pans back, and there's nothing but onion back there. Yep. Oh. Thank God he ordered onion. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, let's 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 get started. Let's do it. morning and welcome to Hearty Dice Friends. My name is Grant Howitt, this is Chris Taylor, and we're here to answer your role-playing game questions, whether you'd like us to or not. Now you're joining us for a very special episode 22 of the podcast. This is our second go at episode 22. I'm just going to reveal a little bit of information to you here. <laughs> uh, the first one was so bad, we couldn't release it. Oh, we man. got We got halfway through, and... Even though we're not in the same room, I turned to Chris. I turned to Chris and I said, we can't. This is bad. <laughs> so we, we, we just gave up. We were so very tired. <laughs> and it just it just wasn't happening. It was so hot, I just started to melt. It yeah. was disgusting. It, was, it um, was not a good scene. Yeah, so it's now, it's five to nine in the morning. So hopefully we can get before the real heat of the day kicks in and we can record... Um, record. But you see, this wouldn't have been a problem like when our dads were recording podcasts, would it? Uh, All right, Chris. I'm going to ask you a question. Do it. You normally ask me a question first, but I'm going to just take charge here. Be the man you wish you were. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yvixen. Yvixen. Y-X-V-E-N. Yvixen asks, what system makes DMing easiest? So there are a couple of games that just almost do away with the GM. Mm. Um, well, that's not what your vixen asked, is it? No, and that's that's my problem because, like, my default mm. answer would be a GMless system. Ah, uh, okay. Because then it's easy for everyone. Oh, yeah, delightful. But there's, but, but at that point, like, there's no rules, as it were. You know, there's no um, there's no structure to work around it. And so, like, if you tried to GM a GMless system, it'd be really confusing, especially for it a would. It would. I mean, anything that really forces prompts out of your players is good for a GM. You're just, just growling there. I'm going to disagree with you, my friend. Okay, go on then. I think D&D is the easiest game to GM. And I'll tell you for why. It requires no creativity. <laughs> like, there's literally a table that you can plug numbers into in the back, and it's like, you want, th- you want two of this fight, one of this fight, and one of this fight. And, the, and everything else is literally fucking handled by the rules. What what you have to do is then have a rough understanding of how the rules works and be patient enough to look up edge cases. And it runs itself. I'm not saying it's good, I'm just saying it does itself. And I think that's the, the mark of an easy GM game, which I, puts you there as a sort of computer. Yeah, I suppose you're right. And if you've got a just a Gennaro dungeon crawl, mm. it's just, well, we kick in the door. Yeah. There is this I, in the room. Hooray! When was, ti- when was the last time you'd done a dungeon crawl, Christopher? I have. I've done many. No, when was the last time? Oh, years and years ago. Yeah, I think it's been like a decade for me. I haven't crawled around a dungeon for ages. I think, like... Yeah, I, I, I not get terribly interesting. They are quite boring, and you don't have much in the way of choice. No. In terms of, like, well, I guess we can do the, do the adventure or not. Yeah. We can either go left or right. And That's it. Got the Those are thing. our choices. I never got the whole thing of camping in a dungeon. Yeah, like you <coughs> backtrack to a safe room. Yeah, and barricade it. And like that's gotta be the worst fucking night's sleep you've ever got. Yeah, just sitting there holding your sword and shaking. And like and, and also like just 
just imagine the orcs as well, as, as, and, as, like, and they're like, "What of what of the interlopers? Well, they came in, they slayed our guards, and what are they doing now? They're having a nap in the kitchen. <laughs> we can't get in. We are Man, both hungry and guys. furious. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we've got I, access to the bathrooms. Oh, I, I had a cream egg in there. <laughs> I hope they don't eat it. I bet they're going through the fridge. They're going to have my fucking yogurt." <laughs> Got that nice banana yogurt I like from Marks and Sparks. <laughs> I went in and got my bits. <laughs> um, I I find that very rude to the orcs. Killing them is one thing, but having a nap in the middle of the enemy base right. is so it's so fucking ballsy. But like, if you were if if you were jeering that in quotation marks properly, like right. naturally, what would happen is the orcs would go, "Well, hang on, they're in that one room. There is one exit to that room." Let's That's get everybody in the dungeon, yeah, and stand outside, yeah. Let's just just make it into a siege, yeah. Or like let's let's drill some holes in and flood the place from above. Yeah, just just piss through the door. <laughs> I was thinking water, but that is ruder. Yeah, just just insults until they starve to death. You know. You see, this is this is a brilliant opportunity to use uh, to use a layman's tiny hut. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, or the magic rope a, trick. Well, it becomes a full size hut, doesn't it? When you when when you get it out. Yeah, but you know, you do it inside a kitchen. You see, what what I'd like is like a a tiny little like you know those like hand painted models of houses you get, mm. like like really, really twee shit. You get one of those, and then when you touch it, you're teleported into the house, and you can sit there and chill out and have like a bath and maybe you know like I imagine there's a roast chicken waiting on the table that sort of thing. Oh no no! Um, one of those, one of those like glazed pigs with an apple in its mouth. You know, I've never eaten a whole pig. No, I kind of want to. I intend to try. <laughs> in one, like a duck would. Oh. And, but like at that point, all you got to do is hide that, hide the, the little chintzy house. Yeah. <laughs> and like, imagine, like, actually, you you got kind of a fun borrower situation because if the orcs find it, they're like, "Yeah, what's this?" and they're picking up, and you're like, "Ah!" And you're shaking around inside it. And That'd be it. great. That's okay. That's not just because it's in their pantry doesn't mean they're going to eat it. They're orcs, man. They're if, orcs. If, we've already established they're going to marks and spots for their bits. They're not going to eat uh, eat little houses. They find. just because just they're middle class doesn't mean they stop being orcs. That's true. Maybe it's one of them candy houses. It is in the kitchen after all. Like I mean, I'd eat it as a joke. Yeah, for sure. You you drank that washing up liquid I bought you that one time. As a joke, I did, <laughs> and I couldn't tell you why. It's like it's not as if even everyone else, anyone else, was around. It was just me and you. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember why I did that, but I did do that. I said, I, I said, like, if you wanted anything in your coffee, and you said, I want love, extra love in my coffee, please. Don't bring me coffee without any love in. And we happened to have like this sort of iridescent pink washing up liquid. So I just bought you a mo- like a, a water, like it was half washing up liquid, half water. I bought it to you, and to your to your to your eternal credit, you took a mouthful of it and then blew a bubble out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and no one saw I'm it. Pretty, I, I, I'm a pretty cool guy. I had to tell my wife it happened. I'm so sad. Um, to think we live in the age of videos. I. We haven't answered this question in any way. How do I get my... Oh, sorry, sorry yes. Well, so what system makes DMing easiest? I think I think it's DMing. I think that's a very straightforward way to do it. I think also things that, like, rather than it being systemic, um, the issue comes with that, that, that measure of confidence or that measure of, um, well, not extracurricular GM skills, but um, non-system-specific GM skills, the ability to make things up, the ability to roll with player suggestions, the ability to be entertaining, to come up with characters that change... Those things aren't going to be governed by your average system. Yeah, and like you can maybe get but the thing is once you once you've got those skills, yeah, it then becomes a a thing of looking for a system that gives you prompts to put to jump off of. Yeah, for sure, and like like helps you steer that story forwards in a direction you're interested about. Yeah, and I think like I think like it's probably easy enough to learn. Um, by doing something, if you are worried about jamming, doing something GMless like Fiasco or like uh, Goblin Quest, which was written by this really good-looking guy from London. I don't forget his name. Um, playing a GMless game where you can entertain other players in some way and just get the idea of playing with the rhythm of a table and um, 
understanding how a story works and how characters work and seeing what you like and what you don't like and then trying to emulate that emulate that when you gm i think i I think like honestly systems are one of the biggest barriers to gming because they put a lot of unintuitive stuff in the way yes and especially rules heavy stuff where you go hang on i will quickly look up this in the book well immersion liquids yeah all right ask me a question all right how do i get my players to read the rules posted by last man on earth three which i think is a bit of a a dodgy name there so it's either last man on earth or what he's one of the three last men on earth well then he's maybe he's the third maybe he's the third last man on earth they've just been cloning each other Maybe it was three, and then he killed the other two out of spite. Maybe, to maybe try just his name. Claim his name. Maybe his name was three, and then and then he killed the other two. <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, how do I get my players to read the rules? Well, uh, you, don't, you don't need them to probably. It depends. It depends on the thing, doesn't it? It greatly helps in D and D, Shadow of the Demon Lord, that sort of stuff. If, if everybody is on. Yeah, if everybody's on, if everybody's on the same page, knowing the rules, and getting on with it. I had one guy who couldn't tell a D twelve apart from a D twenty. That was fun for the first year. That's an issue. He was a great role player, but Jesus, he just couldn't understand what dice looked like. That's. I think that's more of a, you know, visual spatial. I think like issue. I, yeah, that's fair. And I think like we could have got him like a playset to put his dice down on, so the D twelve was always in the circle marked D twelve. That sort of thing. Yeah. That would have saved us all some time, Liam. <laughs> um, I think that the, the the more complex a game is, obviously, you know, you're going to need players to get to read rules. Just so, like, just so they, I think, like, the most important thing is not not because it slows things down, although that is fucking tedious when players don't know the rules, but so they can make informed decisions about yeah. their abilities in the world. Um, one of the things which I noticed with very new players is when you bring them into a game and you have like the first the first thing that happens is, okay, what do you do? I'm like, shit, I don't know, what can I do? And you can do anything, except you can't, can you? No. But you can do anything as long as you do it within these strictures. And, and you so have that's... the relevant power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that can be quite frustrating, I think, um, for new players. So having an understanding of the rules is is um is useful. I think like I think starting them off with with shorter games could be quite useful. Yeah, I guess that's to sort of get an idea of how rules function and how important yeah. they are. But if you're yeah. just sort of jumping in with D&D, they do mm. quick start rules. Yeah, that's true. They and do like, the basics. What, one of the nice things about fourth ed actually, for all its problems, each class was self-contained. Yeah. So I didn't have to well, reference actually, a spell I mean, list um, as a wizard. Powered by the Apocalypse games with their playbooks. Yeah, very much so. 13th Age as well. Yeah. Um, all, like, all the rules are in just one place. Like, you need to know, like, the core... Like, the, there's, there's kind of, like, what... Like, there's the hit roll and what I tell you when you try and hurt me and skill checks, which are universal. And then everything else comes in a wee booklet. And I quite like that. I think that's quite civilised. Yeah, but, I mean, if, if if they're just belligerent enough to not read the rules... Mm-hmm. Start getting mean with it. Start, <laughs> start giving XP to people who have read the rules when they have a when they go when they reference the rules. Go mm. ah, ten XP for you. Well done. That's nice. Or like, or give them pu- give them puzzles which they could only solve by knowing the rules. Yeah, like the, co- the 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 code to a door lock is the page number of the rules in question. <laughs> what if what if you had a game <laughs> where where you were hundred percent aware you were in a role playing game? Because I've not seen that done well. Just carrying around your player's handbook. So yeah, like um, uh, James Wallace, uh, I suppose a colleague of mine, um, started writing a book in the nineties where um, the three core Dungeons and Dragons books fall into Dungeons and Dragons, and they set up a holy text like so that, like, like a religion around them. That makes sense though that that would happen because like because they because they still function is the thing. So like you can gain power by being a rogue. So so so. So like I'm a thief. Oh, you actually have to be a rogue to get this to get this power. I'm really sorry, <laughs> and that sort of thing. Um, I think XP is a really good option. I think XP is great, and I think like um, also just like asking your players nicely, and like if they don't want to if, if if they don't want to read rules and they're in a and they're playing a complicated game, that's on them. Like don't 
don't play games that require you to read rules if you don't want to read the rules. Yeah, just if, carry yeah. on. Just like, well, if you don't know how to pick a lock, then you, you can't. <laughs> I guess I guess you can just smash your face against the door. You fucking idiot. Yeah, just, I mean, you can't do that unless you know how to do it. Tell me how to do it. Like, look it up. Look it up, and we'll learn it now. We'll learn it together. I think the other idea you've got is possibly like tutorials or having them play simple characters. So, Thirteenth Age to mention that again is, is is really clever in that it has a breakdown of which is the most complicated character class to play and which is the least. And yeah. it goes from, like, wizard to barbarian, I think. Yeah, and it's the, a really like, nice like, holdover from video games where there's, you know, this is a five-star difficulty, this is a one-star yeah. difficulty. It's like a mastery. And the idea is that, like, you're still you're still as, as valuable in a scene, as valuable in a combat, but you have fewer choices to make round-to-round round and when you level up your character. Whereas the wizard has, like, well, you can summon meteors or you can turn into a bit of paper, which, which is more important to you. <laughs> which one is more useful on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I'd probably go for the paper one. There's very few things I could solve with the meteor. Yeah, but you know, summon, you know, turning into a piece of paper also not useful. Well, I could send myself places. I would you, starve. You could waft. I could waft. I could finally get out from under this room. Like it's going <laughs> under the door. <laughs> this room you've trapped me in to record podcasts. What your house? Many, many miles away from me. I, I'm not saying I know how you do it. It's, it's quite a skill. Mm. Curdledink asks. One of my <laughs> one of my players one of my players makes extremely efficient combat characters. The others don't. Assuming my players don't change, how can I keep things fun? Only social encounters. <laughs> what did you think of a curdle dink there, by the way? Have you got any feedback? Do you think it was a bit comedy? I, I liked it. It's a bit silly. I guess his name's yes, fu- but their sounds- name's fucking Curdledink. Yeah, but it it, so- it sounds like a sort of medieval jester. Mm, yes. So I think I think that's fine. Mm. Okay, cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, plus, oh, it's it's curdled ink, Chris. Oh, it is. It's curdled ink, like yeah, not curdled gone ink. off. Yeah, like just imagining, it's like like a curdled like curdled ink would probably be like turnwang. <laughs> I'm trying to think, <laughs> like like your dick's gone off. <laughs> Oh, and then, prithee, sir, I had to become a jester, for I could not have a child, and I counted my curdled dink. Yeah, just... We've we've been looking at this name for a while now, and it's only just clicked that it's curdled dink. Well, I mean, to be fair, ink can't curdle... Well, can it curdle? I guess it could dry out a bit. Yeah, but... Is it curdling? I, I straight up prefer curdled dink. Curdling. <laughs> anyway, um, I've had this... I've had this problem with a lot of my players. Um... Like whenever you go near a system which can, which can be optimized, one bastard inevitably turns up and is like, "Oh, I've, I've made a character that wins." Yeah, and it's like, and like I will say, like as, as um as min maxi as you are, Chris, you generally do it respectfully. Yeah, and so I, like, I I generally do it theoretically rather than practically. Yeah, and 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 if you do min max, you become very good at that one thing, and god, terrible at everything else. Yeah, and that's fine. Which is, I mean, lets, which is a character, which is fine. Yeah, and it lets the other characters shine in those bits, and me shine in in the bit that I min maxed, and it works out like, fine. I had the, I, I was playing a game of Pathfinder, and I was playing a summoner, and I managed to fuck up a summoner in Pathfinder. If you can imagine such a thing, because um, they're the most overpowered class available. And I was I was maybe doing like D eight damage around, and I had an attack, and then if 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 my if my summoned creature attacked, then I got like another D like two two D six attacks that sort of thing. So I was doing okay, and then there was this guy who was playing like a like a half magus half barbarian across the table, and every round he'd just roll a shit ton of dice, and I couldn't see what was going on. Like he <laughs> like he he had he had three D twenties in that handful of dice, and he'd look at them, look up at the gym, and go forty seven damage. <laughs> and we all just nodded like yeah okay Curtis I, you, you must be right that must be I, I don't want to argue with you I'm not going to work that out like I I don't think you're wrong I think this is wrong <laughs> yes I think the practice is wrong this is a time I'm <laughs> hating the game not the player <laughs> and it's very frustrating um, but I like Chris's idea of social challenges um, it's, but I like, don't it's completely knock out combat. No, because what that player's done is said, "I'm really interested in combat. Can I play a game where I hit things, please?" Yeah, 
And then but if you've got four players at a table, yeah, yeah, if you've got four players at a table, one of them is over the top combat and the other three aren't, then one in four co- um, scenes should be combat. Yeah, and um, similarly, you could also mix things up. So, like, say, uh, let's say you're let's say you're breaking in somewhere and the guards are coming. It's like, well, like we need to try and get the password out of this guy we've got tied up while we're while we're we're picking the door. Take the cleric and go and go slow those guys down for us, please. Yeah. And yeah, that like, works. and like at that point, you all get to do your things, and that's that's kind of the way that it would work in a in a film, you know, or in a um in a, in a TV series, is that the people do the things they're good at. Yeah. Um. I, I and I I think like the issue like why that why that would work really well in a more in a more fluid system, but like we keep coming back to D and D because that is very much the baseline for role playing games. And I think that the issue with that is that combat in D&D and most other games where there's combat, it's about eight times as complicated as everything else. And takes eight times as long. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I can dig it, it's exciting, but it takes fucking ages. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to do, like, and, and if you've got, like, I'm okay, I'm going to resolve my 18 attacks and then pull off this guy's head and throw it at his friend. Okay, cool, what do you do? Oh, I'm going to roll see if I pick the lock. Oh, you failed. All right, sure. Okay. Okay. Good. Guess I'll try again next round. Yeah. Now I'll yeah. keep rolling this until I win. <laughs> <laughs> Can I take ten? No, okay, no, okay, sure. No, no, I'm under dress. I understand why I can't take ten. Yeah, I guess I'll just roll this oh, dice. I'll just, roll, I'll just roll and see if I win. I once had a GM it's fight like, out. no! I once had a GM roll a fight between two enemy NPC mechs, which we had to watch. He rolled the what? whole thing. Uh, he didn't. No. Sorry, he rolled the whole thing and didn't narrate it. <laughs> so they got a seven. I missed. It's got a seven. Okay, sure. Hit, hit, hits the guy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's, okay, that's the ten damage. Okay. Cool. And like he didn't. And like he he wasn't describing it in cool like bomb, 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 giant robots sort of thing. It was just he mumbled to himself until one of the robots fell over. It's the I worst mean, of all a little, a little part of me. A little tiny part of me can see the benefit of that in that it changes the story depending on which mech lives or dies. Then just roll a d10 for it. But there's also a better way of doing that. Yeah, like... like, like which is high. any other way. Okay, hang on. Which mech's bigger? Okay, on a 3+, plus, the bigger one wins. There you go. How about that? Yeah. Admittedly, that does... I mean, we could use that rule for every role-playing game. <laughs> yes. But especially in combats where none of the players are participants yes oh my god yeah oh it's Jesus. just terrible Jesus. Just such a terrible campaign I left it's the, it's the only campaign I've left I think it makes sense in all honesty mm. that is that is a crime Septimus Astrum asks wow that's a good name uh, give me a voice for Septimus what were you thinking here I'm thinking like like Roman general yes are you not into Quaevartum Quaevartum est What are your favourite group identities? Group identities Yeah So a group identity being something that binds your characters together Yeah With, a, with a theme Yeah um, The new Wifrip has quite good ones for these They've got like you, 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 get, you get like a little card where you put in the middle of the table and you can be like soldiers of fortune or valiant defenders and you get special abilities when you, when you acquire certain amounts of stress. It's quite okay. nice. It codifies it. It's not a good game, I should stress. Um, <laughs> but that's like, nice. Like, what's the thing? Like, they, they didn't really know what they were doing when, when, when they were a Warhammer Fantasy role-playing game and then they've worked it out by the time they hit Star Wars with, yeah. like, with their, their wacky custom dice thing. Um, what, what's your favourite? What's your favourite? I kind of like the idea of a bardic troop, mm. the kind of the 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 travelling play from Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, but oh, as playing you, characters. You could have a band. You could call them like armor class, difficulty class. No, that's too long. We should shorten it. Should cut that down. <laughs> DCAC. That's the one. Uh, yeah, I, I I really like the idea of um of like of anything Rosencrantz and Guildenstern related like that. That's kind of like that's that, 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 that's that's my trigger word. Yeah, I'm just that's my I'm action on board. phrase. I'm, I'm on in board. Great, cool. It's fine. Um, God, I fucking love that film. Oh, what a brilliant film. So good. I, okay, like what a brilliant first half of a film. I like the second half as well. It's okay. 
But yes, the first half is incredibly yeah. strong. Yeah. Was it? Was it? It's um, Gary Oldman and Tim Roth, is it? Yeah. Tim Roth, is that the name of the guy? Play, a, a, yeah, acting their hearts out. Yeah, going at it so hard. And fuck me, Gary Oldman can act. He needs an Oscar. That man needs, we need to sort that out. Yeah. And Tim oh. Roth plays the, plays the part absolutely perfectly. Mm-hmm. That kind of slightly wide-eyed, oh, this yeah. is happening. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Oh, we're in a play, are we? I see. Well, and that's, and that's, that's really, yeah. Anyway, en- enough film recommendations. Um, my favourite group identity is a family. Oh, good. And like, or like people who are so close that you that you are a family. Yeah. Like, um, the sort or, of the sort of group where you got bonds to to everybody, and it's sibling. yeah, for sure. And like, like, so like, uh, what when I wrote one last job, I was uh, m- one of my favorite experiences um, playing around a role playing table. We uh, we were playing in a World of Darkness game, which my wife was running, and we had uh, our group identity that we were four university uh, dropout drug dealers. <laughs> um, and it was it was a Ward Mortals game, so like basically we we bumped up against the supernatural and it and it parasitically clung to us and everything went wrong and like we got so stressed out that we spent just an hour one episode one one game just ordering pizza. Good. Not not in the real world in the game. Excellent. We, like we had a kebab earlier in the real world, <laughs> but but it was um but sitting down with with the other players and, and kind of inventing NPCs and we were like oh it's Vicky oh you mean crazy Vicky no blonde Vicky oh do you think crazy Vicky dyed her hair I don't know I mean she was going out with Gareth for a while and like you both just yes and and build up crazy Vicky and blonde Vicky who I'm still not sure whether or not they were the same person <laughs> and to have that to have that sort of do you remember that one time in X when we did that and you and like you have such a nice relationship with the other characters and also with the other players that you can establish things about their characters and they're not like hey back off buddy yeah hey this is my character like everyone realizes that it's that it's much more interesting if you do this and also like if everyone's if everyone's heart's in the right place it's not like oh do you remember that time that i rode you around like a pony because you're a little shit it's not like <laughs> that's not it's like it's like do you remember that time that you saved that orphanage even though you were even though you're a devious rogue that sort of thing you know? yeah um and one last job was a I game intended to make that happen, in yeah. that you're supposed to reminisce about shit that's happened. And so my other favorite group identity is getting people back together for one last job after the after the incident, or the retirement. I just oh, I, I like the, the idea incident, of the catastrophe. No, I like the idea of like geriatric. Oh, okay, right. Really, one last robbers. Job. One last yeah, job. like literally one last job because we're all ninety. <laughs> could work I'm, I'm pretty sure you could you could probably we've got to get over this we've got to get over this wall well shit oh god that is not I, happening gary uh, threw it gary threw a hip last winter come on gary i saw you get upstairs without breaking your hip last time do you remember do you remember that time you overclocked the stair lift and you flash back it was like it was like a week earlier yeah because <laughs> that's as far as the memory goes oh mm. all right a bit close to the bone um yeah, I love group identities. I, th- I think that every group should make them, and like, it's crucial to have some sort of connection so you can flash back to other things that you've done. Yeah, and also it stops that weird thing that you get in D and D, where it's you all meet at an inn and you are mm. all just antagonistic to each other. Yeah, you, like, there's no reason why any of you would would hang out, especially the paladin. Yeah, why is he even here? Yeah, the paladin. A Surely dick there's bag, a crusade so. that needs doing. <laughs> Well, it's like Batman, right? Yeah, he's 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 doing the work of God by going up and beating up poor people. He can afford a suit of fucking plate mail, apparently. But he's but he's he's strangling goblins because they worship the wrong god. Yeah, which is questionable. Mm. Mm. Ask me a question. I will on on the subject of questions. On the subject of questions, mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we have one from Antonio Banderas. Still the real one. Oh, that's great. I wonder how his campaign's going. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe we can have a little glance into it now. With... Let's have a little peek. I normally GM. Oh, sorry, sorry, quick question. Can, can you do it in Antonio's voice, please? No. Okay. Because I'd have to do it in a stereotypical Spanish voice, and we said no accents. That's fair. Go on. I normally GM, but when I play, I want others in my group to shine in the party. I try really hard to make characters that aren't the overconfident braggart but immediately slip into it when my teammates arm and over what to do. 
how can I regulate my behaviour without going insane over lack of decisiveness? Mm. So, I'd like to, I'd like to ask you a second. I'd like to ask you a second question based on this question, Chris. Yes. Which is, how do you cope with it when I do that? Because <laughs> that's every uh, game. Go I'm along in. with it. <laughs> um, is generally just, it. Just, just he'll, he'll tire himself out. Let him go. Yeah, just, just, just let him run. Just let him run. He'll bump his head or something and start crying in a bit. <laughs> oh, my knee. On the yeah, yeah, you did. Oh, that was an antagonistic NPC up there, <laughs> Chris. They didn't the immediately cream? cave to my whim. I told the joke and everything. Uh, Chris, the GM's not failing forward. Uh, <laughs> he's making me roll notice. Do you have any chocolate? No, I have eaten it all. I will say, my dad, my dad always used to have a little. He used to have this little um, case, this little tin bear. There's a case in the shape of a bear, and he always used to have a little square of Yorkie chocolate in it. And if anything ever went bad, he would get out the bear and open it, and there would be a square of chocolate in there for me. And I swear to God, that is that is the finest act that man has ever performed. <laughs> because, like, like I love my dad. We, he and I don't see eye to eye on everything, especially politics. And he goofed me up in some real fundamental ways in raising me. But putting chocolate in a bear, what well a great done, idea! Well uh, done. So what I'm saying is, if you could start doing that, that'd be great. Because Dad's getting on, and I don't know how long he's got left. I don't know. I need you to be it my seems new like dad. The fighting sort. Mm. Fine. Thanks, Dad. Ali. Um. So yeah, just go along with it. But that's 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 actually not useful advice. No, it's not. No, I just go along with it because it's you and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, like, part of the problem there is the... I me- immediately slip into it with my teammates um and are over what to do. At that yeah. point, oh, go nuts. Oh my god, I hate that. When, when they're scanning stuff and trying to there's, work out what to do in a plan... There's a rule just in improv. go. Which is never talk about it, just do it. And another rule in improv, which is it works. Yeah. And those, those, but those are like two fundamental things. So rather than saying, "Oh, should we go through here?" Oh, it didn't work. It's like, "Oh, we're here," and you get to the fun fucking part of the game. Yep. And that that really pisses me off when it's like, "Well, let's formulate eight plans and talk." I'm like, no, let's do the thing. Nothing's going to happen while we're formulating a plan. No, it's just. Have we told the there. Have we told the post office story on this podcast? The what, sorry? We told the post office fan story in this podcast. I don't think so. Can you tell it? If so, it bears repeating with this question. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, t- we'll take turns telling it. So, so it, um, Skipping to the end, it was a Mage of the Ascension game, which our friend, our friend Keeper ran many years ago. And he um, he had a he had a massive player group, and they were a very cautious player group. And so they were like they'd use their abilities to they use like their their one dot mage spells. Because in Mage Ascension, you play uh, modern wizards who all subscribe to different ancient traditions, and they would scan situations before they went in. So like, I want to see what the state of the matter is in there. Whether there's any energy in there. Whether there's any spirits in there. What 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 number of minds are in there? And every single sphere as they went through. And Chris and I would play. I was playing an angsty um, goth, and weren't you like a like a madcap inventor or something? I was a hacker. You're an etherite, yeah. Oh yeah, you're um, an etherite hacker. So like, yeah. you're a hacker, but you but you use steam. Yes, <laughs> something along those I lines. Don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so carry, carry carry the story on, Chris, because I'm I'm I'm, I'm monopolising. <laughs> um, so yes, they're using these scan abilities on a building, over mm. and over and over, and we get like bored 20, and have a little minutes discussion. In, Twenty minutes in, yeah, we get bored and have a little discussion. And the next thing they notice is that two more mines have entered <laughs> the area um, at speed. At speed, um, another power source has entered the area. Um, as they're trying to work out what's going on, a great deal of matter is moving forwards. Yeah, at tremendous. Like, they're not. They're not just looking; they're just using the scans. Like I think they're all hiding in a hedge. Yeah, as we have driven a postal van through the front yeah. door of the building. Yeah, the, like, like the just GM to get ca- to the plot. The GM casually mentioned there was a post office van. It's like, okay, cool, we've got an idea. Yeah, we got this. Yeah, cool. And like this is like I think Chris and I had known each other for about a week. Yeah. 
at this point, and that was when we decided that, that, that we, we would be together forever. <laughs> because, because, like, because, like, I mean, like, obviously, I think there's some amount of um, disruptiveness there. There's some amount of us being like, "Oh, actually, we want to, we want to play the game that we want to play." Fuck the it rest. It was of the a bit. It was a bit dickish. However, there's also the, ele- the the elephant. There's also the element of of like, well, the GM's got this story, and Keeper's planned this out, and he knows what's going on. He that, whatever they say isn't going to. We're going to go in the fucking building. Yeah. That's where the monster is. We have to the go talk to the, the vampire in here. Book. Yeah, let's go. Let's go shake and hands with the monster. That was not happening. And that, yeah, and so that and, I, and I was think, not going to sit through an entire session of scanning. Rather, like, so you can try and stop yourself, and you can try and keep yourself um, in check. The two tricks I've learned, because I can't stop myself from doing this. Trick one is to say in character, "Oh, what do you think about this situation?" Another character. And let them say something. Yeah, prompt. Although this that did that did backfire once when um, I was it was me and a paladin and a, like a, on, in, a, in a disastrous last stand against some gnolls and I was playing this really religious um, erethis worshipping um, warlord and I turned to the paladin and said, oh, "I see, I see, you've chosen to devote your life to Bahamut. I must ask you, in this time of in this time of grim darkness, what what solace do you draw from your faith?" And the paladin turned to me and went, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, cool, I'm not fucking role-playing then. Fine, fuck you. Um, wow. Engaging other players in character and asking their opinion or being like, ah, um, Sage, you must know much about this magic. Tell me more about this. That's because everyone talks about that because it's, it's fantasy. That's how you talk. You talk like a fucking idiot. Um, and the other thing, I've forgotten. <laughs> Crucially, you can use it to prompt people to go forwards. Oh, uh, the, the other one is to um, bring quiet people into scenes. Yeah. So, like, uh, saying, like, if no one's if no one's doing anything, uh, rather than saying, "Cool, we're going here," because that's you directly taking charge of the group. Um, you re- like you're getting frustrated. The players aren't doing anything. They're being indecisive, and you go and you lean over, you lean, you lean over, over to the player, and you say, oh, "I'd be really interested in having a scene with your character because I think I think there'd be an interesting dynamic there. Shall we go off and do something together?" Yeah. Or like, um, shall we do something which involves the, the rest of the players? And if you take a step out of character into that thing and you start positioning yourself in the story, that can be great fun. But honestly, yeah, most use, GMs... Use, you use it and weaponize it rather than uh, yeah. be a douche with it. Use it like a sword rather than a club. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Use it like a katana. Do you another question? I'd love another question, Christopher. I'm horny for questions. Ew. Okay. I'm randy for questions. There we go. Beardy asks, what other filmographic techniques, i.e. smash cut to whatever or flashback to whatever, are good to employ for role-playing, given it's a storytelling medium? Like most of them. One that I've used quite recently that I really enjoyed was um, essentially split-screening. Oh, okay. So having people do do their scene that they think is solo... Uh-huh. And then a second person comes into the scene from a different angle. Oh, was, was, it, was this in the Spire? This was in our Spire playtest. So oh, cool. one of the characters was running away from something, uh-huh. um, escaping through a house, jumping out, jumping out a window and fled. Not back uh-huh. to his party. He specifically stated they just fled. Okay, that's good of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and after hearing the noises in the building, one of the other party members went to go and investigate. Okay. Saw the chase... Yeah. From a different angle, and smashed a window to get in and try and help. At which oh, no, point, okay. the beast turned round okay. because there was a a smashed window. As a beast, and came after and, and came oh. after them. Yeah. But what had happened? The way it actually happened in the game, in the in the play space, as it were, was I completely did one scene where the monster chased after him and then stopped and left. Yeah. And then the other player said, "Okay." When I when I sort of switched over to them, okay, I go and investigate the scream, <laughs> and it was nice. that smash that changed the scene round. Ah, uh, that's nice. That's fun. Um, and it's nice doing split screens like that, where one person goes in with with knowledge of what's happened. Yeah, but as, like, as but a like, player, sort of, sort of sort of like in and out of character, kind of that that, that nice mix. Yes, yeah. So they could they could go okay. So I need to create the distractions somehow. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant! Yeah, that's kind of like um, like like a time travel thing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but yeah, it's essentially like like as I say, a split screen technique. I am a huge fan of um, in media res. 
yep. which is means starting things right in the middle of things. And one of the problems I've found in role-playing games is that, and I fall into this every fucking time that I run a thing, is that you start off with a normal day. That's just like a normal thing, and you establish a thing, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, fine, I guess, we need to establish normality, but I think we can infer normality from our characters. And then, or like, do something do something radical and different now, and flash back to what normality was uh, earlier on. Because like, there, there was a story, it was like, is like, um... Uh, when writing stories, piece of advice is like, is this the most exciting day in your character's life? And if not, why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, don't, like, you, you, you can make up anything you want. Don't tell us a boring story. I mean, unless you're fucking great at telling stories, you know? Mm. Um, and if, 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 if you're just starting out, then let's, let's, try, for, let's try for exciting things. Let's, let's try for immediacy. Um, and a lot of it, like, comes down again to that. A lot of it comes down to consent, which is interesting. Something which I want to discuss the idea of consenting your character having made actions without your um, agreement. So, like, right. say, for example, starting off in, in Media Res, um, you're on the top floor of a skyscraper and you're pinned down by drone fire and your hacker's just bleeding out on the on the floor. And you play out a couple of rounds of that and just as, and, and, like, j- just as you, like, push the hacker's arteries back into her arms, um, you, uh, you flash back to the briefing. And, like, that's kind of cool, because it gets you set up there, and also has kind of, like, the abilities. You aware of that? that yes. Uh, I think, yeah. That, uh, where, like, you, you can see what you're going to do later on, and it's kind of fun to have that power. Um, but I can think of, like, five people off the top of my head who'd be like, well, hang on a sec. No, my character doesn't do that. My character wouldn't get caught in this stupid situation. Yeah. And that's, and that's very... Like, I can appreciate why they're saying that, because all they get is their character, and the GM has everything else in the world to play with. Um, all they get is the space in between their characters' ears, and that's a sacred space for a lot of players. But I think you can get much better games by having that like open access. Yeah, for sure. What other film techniques? I like I like describing like panning shots or like describing how the camera looks at the setting. Like so, the first the first game of every single campaign I do, the camera like comes in at helicopter level and picks out the city and looks at the interesting parts and then focuses on the characters. Yeah, and you, you you use that to great effect. To be honest with you, where there's you there's things off camera. Yeah. So you describe the player and how dramatic that looks, and then the camera pans and we see X. Yeah. And it gives you a way of focusing on the player first as the central part of a scene. Yeah. And then showing what's this what's separate rather than the standard D and D. <laughs> description, which is the room is eight by five. Oh, there, it is. There was an absolutely gorgeous it is, one. Of it these has tapestries, in a, in a, and then yeah. there is a goblin in it. It was, um, it was, it was the very first D and D game that you ran for us. I think it was game three, and you, and you were running through a printed adventure because you know you are you are a lazy GM at the, at the heart of things, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you were, um, and and you said, oh, actually, guys, I'm just going to read this. I'm, I'm going to read this description to you verbatim, just to give you an idea of what I'm working with here. <clears throat> there is a room. It is. It's twenty by forty um, feet wide. Sorry, it's, 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 it's uh, forty by forty feet wide. Um, there is a cage in the back of the room with a skeleton in it. There are six straw pallets on the floor and a central drain. In the room stand six monstrous humanoids. <laughs> yeah, like come on. Mention them first. <laughs> That's the most important thing. That's the thing um, I'm going to see. Not the fact there's a drain in the middle. And like I can totally get that by describing the room, you make the next scene more you, what's the word immersive. You mm. can like so like if you if you've mentioned that drain, even if I'm not going to knock someone down it, you can imagine it in the scene as you describe the fight. But there's something endlessly funny about describing a whole room, and then suddenly you've got six slavering orcs in the middle of it. Yeah, so it's ridiculous. Yeah, that bothers me. One of the things that I've started doing um, is asking the players like like what does the camera see. Yeah, um, and the idea is that we have the capacity to have an omniscient viewer through th- through the lens of a camera. So let's say, for example, um, you fail uh, you fail your spot check, and the camera sees someone following you. Yeah, you don't see that. Um, it's also like a really wonderful way of doing violence. I've noticed. So like, if if I'm doing kind of a lighthearted game, but someone gets really violent, we just sort of like. You just say that um, cool. All the violence happens off screen, and you and you just see the guy's leg twitching as you break his neck. Mm, yeah, it's uh, a way not, of yeah. sort of muting it. Um, and unlike unlike um, 
whatever whatever you can't see um, is scarier and funnier than anything you imagine. Always. Sorry, um, th- th- than anything you can see. Um, so you're much better off not describing something until you can, uh, and just just leave things vague. Um, it was. I'm I'm going to go back to improv again. This is the, like, one <laughs> of the most Im- one of the most important lessons I learned in my last uh, cycle of improv was don't try and emote at any time. Don't do that. Because what you are there to do, uh, and this is more of an improv tip than a role-playing tip, but I, th- I, think it, I think it applies, you know. Don't, like, if if you think you should be sad, don't go there and go, oh, I'm so sad, oh no. And then, like, look really heartbroken and maybe, like, put your hand on your face and start crying. Don't do that, that's overacting. All you're there to do is you're there for the audience to project feelings onto. Mm-hmm. And if you if you go through... So, like, if the plot has suggested that you'd be sad, anything you do is sad. If, like, if the audience thinks you should be happy, anything you do is happy. And if you start doing something else, you add dissonance. Yeah. And it looks like you're trying too hard. And all, like, one of the hardest things I learned to do is nothing. <laughs> is is imagine sitting. it would have been nightmarish for you. Oh Jesus Christ, Chris! Ooh. Like, but like learning, like they they had a special mask they put me in, which meant I couldn't see or speak. <laughs> that is very wise. <laughs> kind of like kind of like a shackle for my for my giant head. And <laughs> was it a plastic bag? I did choke a bit. Yeah, oh, it's, just, it's, it's, it's called like it's called like a, like a like a lava mask, like a like L A R V A. Um, a larval mask and like you just have like it, it is, this is almost the, the, the faintest suggestion of this weird slightly inhuman face on it uh, and it's just a plain white mask with two tiny eyes cut in front and it covers almost your whole head um, and you can't see or speak when you're in it like you can just see like out the front it. it's creepy they can just see the audience but what that teaches you to do is like it teaches you to trust you trust that you trust that the audience will put emotions onto you you trust that your friends the people who can see and who can speak will carry you through the scene and will and will provide and will provide things for you and you also trust that even if you just sit the fuck still and don't do anything it's interesting because right. if like like, like the, the one rule like the, the the rule i learned was don't try and be interesting try and be interested makes sense and that and like, and it's perfect for role playing as well. Like, if you if if you try and make jokes and act the fool and act up and just and and, and just just try and do your own thing to be a special snowflake character, you'd be boring as fuck. But if you're interested in the story, if you're interested in seeing what other players are about, if you're interested in exploring someone else's relationship with the with with with, with the other characters, then then you just start pushing the plot forward, and it's lovely. And that wasn't funny at all. I'm sorry. I that's, went, that's I went, fine, I went into it serious. Was, it was RPG advice. It was, and we do need to provide from some an RPG advice podcast. Technically, the uh, like the um, so I did get us up as a registered charity, but we do have to provide at least one piece of role playing advice every episode, otherwise they cut our funding. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Which is perfectly legal, by the way. Yeah, perfectly legal. Yeah, we are a charity. Um, I have a question. Do it. Which RPG, Sam asks, which RPG would be the best fit for playing as a group of doddering old chaps slash chapettes seeking to get them young people off those damn skateboards? Uh, Pendragon. No. No, that's, that's the, you, you play the chap chapettes in Pendragon. Yeah. I guess I, like I guess like, Pendragon is my I, default. Skateboarding go. I guess that's a pretty deep cut, man. That's episode four. I'm not sure how many people listening will <laughs> <laughs> It's always Pendragon. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of playing it like Pendragon, like you play it generationally, and then you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> Literally, um, I think it depends on how you're how you're getting them off the skateboards. I mean, are you using superpowers? Because if so, something like fate. Wouldn't it be nice? Oh, I'd use mutants and masterminds. Wouldn't it be really? nice though, to have to have like well, like no, I wouldn't ever use mutants and masterminds. It's, but hey, it's better than hero system, mate. That is true. You know, um, that's hundred percent true. I've, I've I've had better viral infections than Hero System, though, so I don't know. Not really. Um, I I would love to have a game about, about old superheroes. How about but like but like sixties and seventies? Wouldn't that be great? That would just dealing like with life on Mars, but superheroes. No, 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 not not set in the sixties and seventies. They are sixty and seventy years old. Oh, sorry, I had yeah. Mm. Sorry, what, what what was your idea? So, Better Angels. Okay. 
but the demon in your head is your younger self. Like, well, you were young once. Shut up, demon. Shut up, I have to stay Tory, otherwise the Browns get in. <laughs> you've you've been on a skateboard, you quite enjoyed it, I remember. I hate you, mind! <laughs> Let's flash back to the summer of 69. <laughs> when you were an abandoned pool. I like how we've got a ghost in our head rather than a demon. Yeah. And surely, surely that their younger self would sound younger. Not like yes, rather than older. Yeah, that's fair. Actually. I'm the ghost of summer past. <laughs> I'm the I'm the deceased of your youth. The, the ghost of summer holidays past, though, that could work. Yeah. I, I kind of, you know what? I want to run it in Dogs in the Vineyard. Oh yes. And I want to have the it children. As, the children is the devils. You you replace sin. With skateboarding, and or I'm the weeds. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring like you can, like you can spread that out to like marijuana smoking, um, watching um, video nasties, mm-hmm. um, drive cartoons, uh, hitting the hitting um, post boxes with baseball bats from a moving car. That's I, that's that's actually a bad thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's a crime. That's a crime. I remember now. Yeah. Um, the rock, the rock and roll music, that sort of thing, the hip hop, also a crime. No, no, rock and roll music isn't a crime, is it not? I don't, I don't think. I don't think that's. Well, I have yet. called the police incorrectly too many times. <laughs> Sir, please stop calling. But um, he's listening to Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, I tell you. I've got a question about that song, um, that Bon Jovi song. It's a, um, Which I'm one? a cowboy. I'm a cowboy on the steel horse I ride. Uh, Dead or alive, that one. Yeah. One of his best. One of his best. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy a bit of Bon. Oh no, sorry, it's John, isn't it? His first name's John. It's not yeah. Bon. A little Jovi in your life. Yeah. Now, he says, "I've got a six-string on my back, and I'm playing for keeps." Now he's obviously going. He's he's mixing his metaphors here a little bit, but he's he's going for like six gun. And mm-hmm. six string, right? So six six gun on my hip, and I'm playing for keeps. That means that he's murdering people. Six string is a kind of guitar which he has on his back, and he's playing for keeps. Now, how does one play guitar for keeps, Christopher? I like pogs. Yes, I'm, I'm figuring like so so, so. so hang on. So just <laughs> you hit, you hit things with the guitar, and it's yours. <laughs> so it's not like drilling banjos. You got you got to no try no. The, the guitar like, lands face up. It's like a cat scent marking things. You can play it like Go-Go's and you have to have it land in certain ways. Yeah. You ever play Go-Go's? A knuckle bones throwing game? Yes, I remember that. And you used to be able to buy like, collectible packets of it. Yeah, I've actually got a Go-Go on my desk, but not one of the throwable kinds. got a little Yeti oh. for the last five years staring at it, staring at it from my desk. But um, the other thing, so, so like, if, if we establish you can play guitar for keeps in this steel horse riding universe that Mr. Mm-hmm. Mr. That Bon has established, he's only won once. He's only got one guitar. He has. So like, but just a lot pre- of may, 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 maybe maybe what he what he was hitting with the guitar was just money. You've got to presume big piles of money. <laughs> You've got to presume. Oh, so is it like the um like the big metal pog? Yeah. Oh, okay. A key. So, key. That was it, a keeny. I quite liked keenies. I quite like the heft of them. Um, mm. So, like, so you use guitar as a keeny, but I'm guessing because like, you couldn't lose the keeny, could you? Could only use, you could only lose the pogs. Correct. Yeah. So he uses yeah, that... his guitar to smack money, and if it flips over, it's his. Yeah, and if, if it shows the face, that's Bon Jovi's. That's going in yep. Bon's pocket. I see. Thank you, because I was worried that that at, at, at time of recording the song, he must have just lost a jewel. <laughs> if he still if he has a guitar but he only has one guitar he must have had two just before recording and lost I like because if he wins he has minimum two guitars song. sorry I like that that's the lyric you chose to pull out of that song not I've seen a thousand faces and I've rocked them all well that's I I think I can understand what he means there you know when you rock a face Chris uh, yes I'm aware you know. of face rocking you know, like when 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 you, when you meet when you meet someone's face and then you just rock it, just rock it, just rock it hard. Yeah, I mean, because like it sounds like the way that you're describing it, that you've never rocked someone's face, and I've, Bond's I've rocked, rocked over many a thousand. Face. Uh, okay, what's your favourite face rocking method? 
Just backwards and forwards. Oh, okay, cool. I like to work the gels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really get the cheeks involved. Get them to hum, and it sounds a bit like an old politician who's just lost a bet. <laughs> 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 yeah. But, um, I'd, I'd argue that Mr. Bond, mm-hmm. Sir Jovi. Yeah. yeah. His he, standard. He's a lord now, isn't he? Yeah. His standard yeah. concert pulls in more than a thousand people. So, However, uh, he's what... only noticed a thousand of them, and only played for them. They're the only people that enjoyed it. Well, I think this is this is obviously you can obviously answer this because he's playing an acoustic an acoustic guitar in a giant stadium, so no one can fucking hear him past the first three <laughs> rows. Plus, he's got his motorbike constantly revving. <laughs> My face feels rocked. Just yours? No, just 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 like one ear, maybe. Maybe yeah, just no, my I've nose just this feels rocked. T- like tinnitus hum in the back. You see, I think that I think that the character that Bon is singing about, sorry, Sir Jovi is singing about. I don't think that's Bon Jovi himself. I think that's that's an ide- that's an idealized cowboy who's using music instead of guns. I see. Because he still wanted and dead or alive. Hence the smaller audiences. What do you want dead or alive for? Cattle theft? Rock. Oh, so rock's illegal? Yeah. Okay. With like, referencing back to the older the older people. We haven't answered the question, though. Can we answer the question? Which RPG would be the best fit for a good... Oh, so, yeah, so it's, 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 um, it's, it's Dogs in the Vineyard. Um, you play um, old Mormon missionaries who are trying to stop young people from having fun. And you start off by complaining to the mayor. And then before long, you're just shooting young'uns in the street. Just, just really messing them up. I think that could up. be a very interesting game. Chris, I think we've answered enough questions this week. I, th- I think we have. I think we have. I am. I, the sun is now rising in the sky, uh, in the grey English sky. And, and I'm I am becoming, in a, I'm in an east-facing room. <laughs> and it's starting to sizzle. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary folk, and just everyone who's listening to this podcast, thank you so much for listening. You lovely to people. Yes, you lovely people. Thank you so much for your kind contributions on Patreon.com. We've just broken forty bucks an episode, which may not sound like a, may not sound like a lot, but we really appreciate it because we're, we're we're on episode twenty two. We're we're just starting out, but we're really excited to see what we can do with the podcast. Uh, if you like what you hear, go to Patreon.com forward slash Hearty Dice Friends, and you can give us some money per episode. Uh, the most the most exciting thing about that is um, I say exciting. The best thing I think is coming along to the Hearty Dice Discord where we we hang out and chat. Um, it is genuinely great fun in there. We've recently received pictures of somebody's cute new kitten. Oh my god, what, what a cutie. Who's the cutest? The cutest well, my, well, well, my cat's the cutest. I was really lucky to get the best one. So, you know. Mm, whatever. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, the, uh, the other thing I want to mention is that we've got a, we've got a Kickstarter coming up very soon. Um, well, it's coming up. Uh, hopefully, it'll be out by the next time you hear us talk after this podcast, but we'll see. Uh, it's called. It should be. It's called Spire, um, and the idea is that you are a you are you are dark elves fighting uh, high elves uh, in a resistance revolutionary style fashion. We've gotten some really lovely feedback on it from our test readers and from um, from the playtesters, and we're I'm 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 now getting excited. I was nervous before, and now I'm nervous and excited about this. Yeah, it's always terrifying before kick, pre Kickstarter. Oh, like it's it's terrifying pre Kickstarter when you haven't written like a hundred pages of setting. Because yeah. what 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 I'm doing effectively is, is like like the way we write it is that is like Chris and I sit down and we hash out the setting and then I type it up to make it look legible, and it's very much I'm like oh actually can you hear about my wonderful dark elves that I've made up whenever I try and pitch the system so it's quite nerving yeah it's quite nerving it nerves you it nerves me up a treat so um, if you like us please give us money in every way possible including <laughs> just putting it through our front door. It literally just puts food on our table and oh potentially God, yeah. pop filters on our microphones. <laughs> it would be great to stop making all those, all those horrible popping noises. Right, um, that's enough horrible audio. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Um, love we you want so much. to. We want to take you away to an island, and you land. You're on a seaplane, right? And you, the seaplane comes down, uh, and then like you jump out and like and like like you land and like you're wading up the beach to get on there but you're wearing shorts so it's cool your trousers aren't wet and then like we're there me and Chris and we've got a table set up and it's got it's got lobster and rich mangoes mojitos it's got oh it's got fresh mojitos Mm. um 
which we've made. It was us. We didn't we didn't like pay some 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 local pittance to do it. We're we're funding local schools and we're making our own mojitos. Yeah, no, we're the only okay. people on the island here. Yeah, we're it's the just only us and some nice cabins. There's and no just... escape from the island. I want to stress that we have the keys to the place. No, this has gone wrong again, hasn't it? Yeah. To get off the island, we will have to spell things out on the beach. <laughs> We didn't bring any fuel for the plane, is what I'm saying. We are not smart men. However, it's going to be a relaxing death. It wasn't a malicious act, and one of us has been ordained... Sorry, we both got ordained as priests. Um, and seeing as but this island technically is in international waters now... Um, I say now like it's floated off. It's always been international waters. The island uh, is not floating. Disregard any feelings of floating. Yeah, that's, that's, that's simply jet lag from the flight. Um... It's illegal. It's legal for you to marry both of us. So that's so that's <laughs> really exciting. Maybe. Yeah, that's really exciting. I also just got, I just got a notification that the um, the episode episode of us discussing the spy on the gauntlet podcast has come out a week early. So that'll be fun. Oh, <laughs> great! Um, so check us out in the gauntlet if you want to hear more. We love you so much. We're going to marry you. Then we're going to die on an island all together, holding each other, and they'll find us and we'll be clutched together around the last mango. Bye. Bye. Bye.